Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Hoop Ball Nets podcast. What is up, everybody? We are back with another episode. We hope you guys enjoyed our last two. Uh, we had my boy Will Hanley on, a.k.a. Nets depicted a SpongeBob on the last episode. So it was a super fun episode. Uh, probably low-key the best episode we've had so far. Um, and then right before that, we had Billy Reinhardt on. Nets Daily, SB Nation, super cool guy as well, so go check that one out. Trying to get more guests involved on the pod, so stay tuned for that. But we're back, just me and Hunter, uh, back like normal. Uh, we have a good amount to talk about this game, obviously. Nets versus Wizards, Nets versus Clippers, signing Mon Shumpert, and uh, we're going to talk about the All-Star game as well, and kind of who we want the, the Nets to sign with that last roster spot that they have. Um, and so yeah, kind of a jam-packed episode. Can't wait to talk about it all. But before we do, make sure you subscribe to the Hoop Ball Nets podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts. Download the pod on Spotify and uh, just listen to it. Share it with everyone you know on every platform that you can listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Najee Adams underscore Hunter. It's Hunter underscore JKR on Twitter, and the pod is at Hoop Ball Nets. Um, yeah, before we get into things, let me just give a massive shout out to our guys over at mybookie.ag. Literally ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking us for betting tips. We always get asked who you got, Lakers or Clippers, Rodgers or Mahomes, Brady or Mahomes. And I'll tell you what I tell them, where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why we tell people to bet with mybookie. Mybookie's rep is rock solid and they've got the best odds, contest, and promotions in the business. They're the only place we trust to handle our NBA-related bets. You know us, and you know that we don't give out our stamp of approval easily. To earn it, you've got to be the best at what you do, and MyBookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. You sign up, enter promo code HOOPBALL, that's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 cash head over to my bookie if you want a little extra excitement and add that to the sports you love and the games you bet bet with the best bet with my bookie and so boom our first topic today 
Uh, we want to start with a, a, a lighter topic, more fun. Uh, the All-Star Game. The All-Star Game is officially happening. The NBA and the National Basketball Players Association uh, hasn't been confirmed, but they're progressing towards an agreement for the All-Star Game to happen on March 7th at State Farm Arena in Atlanta. It's going to be a different format. No more of the captains, the highest vote getters being the captains and then picking teams are going to go back to East versus West. And uh, all of the all-star activities are basically going to be in one night. So we're going to have the skills challenge, the dunk contest, the three-point contest, and the all-star game all in one night. Uh, Hunter, what do you think about the, the jam-packed night that will be NBA All-Star Day instead of NBA All-Star Weekend? Well, uh, first of all, thanks to the NBA for forcing me to now clear my whole March 7th. <laughs> uh, that's gonna take up probably six to seven hours to run through all of those but i love all the events always i mean i love the all-star draft with the captain so it's gonna it's gonna sting a little going back to normal format but um i definitely am happy they're having a game but the players themselves have some mixed opinions on it i saw De'Aaron fox said that it was a really stupid idea and he's like if we have all these mask regulations and everything for regular games what makes them think an all-star game is such a good idea and he wasn't happy with it and then the comments started trolling him like oh guys you're mad because he's not going to be there and uh little do they know De'Aaron Fox low-key might make the all-star game so (laughs) I mean uh, I, I mean, I get it. Obviously, we're in the middle, the midst of a pandemic. So, uh, going to uh, putting all the NBA's greatest players from around multiple cities in one arena, obviously going to have some pretty catastrophic side effects. But I guess the NBA is kind of just hoping for the best here. I don't really know what's going through their head. I know they want to provide the fans with some sort of entertainment. They make some a lot of bread off All Star Weekend. Um, especially with like the TV rights and TV deals and stuff like that. And then also the players need a break, obviously. So they, that they get their little all-star break. I'm not sure how long it's going to be, but it'll be some sort of break from regular basketball play. So, um, yeah, the, 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 the all-star game, me and Hunter combined to come up with our all-star teams. So keep in mind, this isn't what we would specifically want as people because like there's picks that we made that i kind of wanted to pick someone else but it just wasn't as realistic this is what we think is the most realistic outcome for when the all-star starters and reserves are announced uh do you want to start with the east or the west let's start with the uh west and then we'll get to the conference involving the nets so if you guys don't know the way that the all-star game is constructed uh it's two guards and then three front court players for the starters. And then on the as for the reserves, it is two guards, three forwards, and two wild card spots for either a guard or a forward. So with that being said, let's go into our West All-Star starters. Hunter. Okay. So um it four of the five starters are almost guaranteed that it's gonna end up this way. The last spot is a little shaky. So the first guard is Steph Curry. That's that's a no-brainer. That's a lock. Steph Curry, LeBron, and KD are the only three players in the entire All-Star voting at two mil or above in votes. So Steph's a lock. Now let's move to uh, the second guard, and this is the shaky spot. 
we put Luka Doncic there based on the volume of votes he has, that he'll probably win the top two votes. He's the second but leading vote getter in the guards for the West. He's a coach's favorite as well. And not to say Lillard doesn't deserve it. He does. But I do believe that between Doncic's PER, his double-doubles, his triple-doubles, his overall versatile game averaging 27-9 and 9.6 while shooting 46. Yeah, his three-point percentage is lacking, but 46 and then 80% from the line. Dame's got that 95% from the line. But based on the overall skill set, I think Doncic deserves it. Um, I really wanted to put Dame, but just like you said, based on like the amount of love that Luka gets around the league, plus the fact that he is about 400,000 votes above ahead of Dame right now, uh, it's just more realistic that Luka... That's typically what happens with international players. They they tend to get a lot of love. We always see that with uh, players like Yao Ming and Dirk, and they they'd always get a high number of votes. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, Luka and Steph are kind of leading the way, the only Western Conference guards with over a million votes. So uh, it's kind of a, looking like a lock that they will be the all-star starters for the West and for the guards. For the forwards, we are. I, I feel like it's pretty pretty set in stone. It's going to be Kawhi Leonard. Uh, the Clippers are one of the best teams in the NBA. Uh, it's going to be LeBron James. I bet that pains you to say. Uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> it's going to be LeBron James. Uh, he's LeBron. He's going to start. Probably be the leading vote getter, if not second. And then look, Nikola Jokic is. Uh, that's our third front court starter. I so honestly, do believe that although. Nikola Jokic might be the like fourth or fifth best player in that starting lineup. He's probably the leading MVP candidate out of all of them so far this season. Oh, 100%. He's having a phenomenal year, almost averaging a triple-double. His assist numbers have gone down a bit. He was starting this season averaging 11. Now it's down to 8.6. But having 20 double-doubles, five triple-doubles, over a 30 PER, he, he's having an insane year. So, yeah, our all-star starters for the West end up being Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic. Uh, do you want to give the East starters or do you want to do the West Reserves? No, we'll do Reserves. Finish the whole conference. Cool. So, West so- Reserves, uh, the people that are kind of locks are Paul George and Anthony Davis. They're both going to make Damian it. And Damian Lillard, obviously. And Damian Lillard, obviously. Those three. Those, those are the three locks. We have Paul George at a wild card slot because it's unknown whether people consider him a guard or a forward, really. He gets a lot of minutes at the two for the Clippers, but he also is mainly a small forward. So I just put him at wild card for position reasons. And then Dame's the first guard, and Anthony Davis is the first front court player. Now, moving to the second guard, based on record, it's the Jazz, who have been at the top of the West for much of the season. And um, they they get two all-stars here. We have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert as the second guard and second front court player. Now, Gobert's stats aren't eye-popping. He's averaging 14 and 14, but we already know his defense is what carries him, and 
coaches know the impact he has on the game. So although there are other players that might have better stats, I think Gobert impacts the game enough that he'll warrant a spot on the lineup. Uh, yeah, we were torn. Uh, Rudy Gobert was literally a last-minute throw-in because we forgot, like, literally forgot that he was even, like, a person. So, <laughs> Yeah, because when we were looking, we were sorting by points per game because, you know, usually high scores are in the All-Star game. And I scrolled down, and I was like, oh, Gobert. I'm like that's that's a player. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, that's what that's what uh, our 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 guards, our reserve guards are Dame and um, Donovan Mitchell, and then Paul George's one wild card. Our two reserve forwards so far have been Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert. Who's our last reserve forward, Hunter? Now these last two spots are very subjective. Um, I think one of the two players from this team will make it. The team is the Pelicans. You can obviously guess now who the two players are. Zion Williamson versus Brandon Ingram. Now, I don't think there's room for both of them on this roster, being that, one, the Pelicans are not a great team, and two, the shooting numbers overall, and their whole game is not eye-popping. But I do believe, based on shooting percentage and rebounding, defense i just think zion is going to ultimately get it i agree i'd say zion i think there's a lot of love around the league for him where there might not be the same for brandon ingram uh so yeah we say zion and then lastly we've got christian wood as our last wild card now he's very deserving of it the rockets having a phenomenal year he's averaging 22 points, 10 rebounds, 55 from the field, 39.7 from three, 68.8 from the line, and 1.6 blocks a game. The Rockets are... Having a very similar statistical season to Anthony Davis, actually. So, Christian Wood is definitely deserving, as he's been leading the charge for a surging Rockets team. They have been on a six-game win streak before they lost to the Thunder last night, uh, and then they picked up a win over the Grizzlies, who had been on a also very large win streak. So they currently sit at 10th in the West, but Christian Wood is in. He literally was the reason that they were okay with trading James Harden, so, you know, he's got to get some credit for that. Uh, definitely around the league. Uh, he's probably going to be the most improved player, and... Uh, yeah, the Rockets also have one of the best defenses in the league, which is kind of anchored by him. So Christian Wood definitely uh, rounds out our, our little Western Conference All-Star team. Uh, moving over to the well, East. Well, let's say right before we go to the East that uh, the two honorable mentions in the West, the three honorable mentions are Brandon Ingram, De'Aaron Fox, and Devin Booker. Literally, like, five seconds before we press record, De'Aaron Fox was in our lineup. De'Aaron I, Fox is the uh, the honorablest honorable mention. I feel so bad for him. Like, he's having yes, such a good season. so well this season. Like, averaging 22 and 7 assists, shooting 47, 35, 70 splits, over a steal a game. He's having a great year. I just think that the West, the West isn't even loaded anymore, but... They're so top-heavy that I think it cuts off right at that point where he just misses it, similar to how Mike Conley did for so many years. Don't be surprised Hunter brought this up low-key if Chris Paul makes the All-Star game too. He is a coach's favorite, and they did this with Tim Duncan for years. Even if the stats aren't there, 
if someone misses out of everyone here, it's going to be Zion probably. And I believe that if Zion missed, it would be because Paul George is in their forwards and Chris Paul gets the other wild card. And if that happens, don't be surprised because, like Hunter said, Chris Paul's definitely a league favorite, a coach favorite, and veterans like that usually tend to get a lot of respect, especially towards the end of their career while they try and ramp up their stats and, like, ramp up their accolades. So another all-star game under Chris Paul's belt wouldn't hurt. Um, Moving over to the East, this is where uh, Nets fans, it's going to be tough because as great as it would be to have the starting backcourt be, Kyrie Irving and James Harden. I just personally can't in goodwill snub Bradley Beal from an all-star start when he should have made the game last year to begin with. Look, I the second it came out last year that Bradley Beal didn't make the game, I was flipping out. You can't average 30 ever and not make the game. Especially when you have Trey Young, who's also on a trash team as a starter. Like... It's not like he was shooting bad. His splits last year were 45.5, 35.5, 85, and averaging over 30 with four rebounds, six assists, and over a steal a game. There's no reason he doesn't make that game, especially since he made it the two years before that. And so fans fans are, have the same mindset as us. Bradley Beal's currently the leading vote-getter for guards in the East. So, uh, yeah, our, our starting backcourt for the East is Kyrie Irving. Nets, woo, and Bradley Beal. Um, it's a lock that hard is going to be one of the two guard reserves. Well, so, well, what we'll say is the whole starting five in the East is a lock. It's going to be Kyrie Beal, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. If it's any other combination of anyone, something went horribly wrong. And so then we get into our reserves, which, like we said, is two guards, three forwards, two wild cards. One of those guard spots is going to go to James Harden, very obviously. Uh, the other guard spot, this was a toss-up for us. It truly, truly no, it was. was for uh, Najee. It was because I wanted to give it to Zach Levine, but uh, we'll get to that later. So Jalen Brown and James Harden are two guard reserves. Um, moving on to our forward reserves, Jason Tatum is one of them. Uh, he's had a great, had he not missed so many games, I feel like he low key could have been in the starting lineup, but, uh, yeah, because he, he overall is having a similar statistical season. Well, not, not similar in overall game to Giannis, but scoring wise, he, he's shooting better from three and the line. He has similar defensive stats and less turnovers in more minutes per game. But Giannis, Giannis should make it. He's the better player, and he will and he will start. So Tatum is, is definitely the first frontcourt player off the bench, though. Uh, after Tatum, we have DeMontis Savonis. He's not putting up as many points as somebody like Jeremy Grant or Gordon Hayward or even someone like Nikola Vucevic, but DeMontis Savonis is averaging 21.6, 5.7, and 12 rebounds, and he's an absolute stud. And I feel like the Pacers are, are going to get snubbed and misrepresented, so DeMontis Savonis deserves to be an all-star. Uh, and then third, last up, we have Bam Adebayo. Uh, yes, we did not put Tobias Harris. We did not put Chris Middleton. Neither did Gordon Hayward or Jeremy Grant. So, you know. The East this season is loaded. Yeah. This, we, this is the best the East has looked stats-wise 
in in a long time. We also didn't put Ben Simmons simply because he's just not having a good season. He's not. He's averaging 13, 8, and 8 in 33 but, minutes. Well, I know Ben Simmons is young, but similar to Chris Paul, he's the type of player that coaches love and because he impacts the game on both ends of the floor, there's a solid chance that he makes the game. If Ben Simmons makes the game averaging a career low 13.4 points, a career low 53.7% from the field, uh, and he shoots 16% from three. <laughs> I mean, he, he, his point one for point three a game, <laughs> that means he's one for six on the season or two for 12. Like, he's just not, he's regressed. It's as simple as that. He's regressed this season. He's not as good. And he doesn't deserve to be an all-star. So, if they're not going to give Bradley Beal an all-star game for for averaging 30 last season, Ben Simmons better not make the all-star game. And uh, for our two two wild cards, we have uh, Julius Randle is one of them. Because, God damn it, the Knicks haven't had an all-star in as long as I can remember. And Julius Randle has been playing very, very well, averaging 22.6 and 11 rebounds. That one, that one is not easy. Because someone who really, really, really deserves it, based on how well his team is playing, and what he did to the Nets, is Colin Sexton. Yeah. I was thinking about that, too. It's averaging over 24 points on 50-44-83 splits. He's having an amazing season. I don't think he's going to make it. I think Randall is having a better overall season based on the fact that his numbers are 23-11-6 on 47-39-80 on splits. But Sexton is probably my first honorable mention after who the second wild card is. Actually, Sexton will be my second honorable mention because there's one big snub here. Yeah, and so our second wild card either goes to Trey Young or Zach Levine. Um, I felt bad for Zach Levine for a very long time. He goes out there, he busts his ass, and the Bulls very often sell him. Now, they're not as bad as they usually are. But they're still pretty bad. So I'm going to give it to Zach Levine instead of Trey Young. I'm sorry. There's a good chance that Trey Young makes it realistically. But just for our list, I'm going Zach Levine. And that's going to be crazy because Trey Young would then go from starting last year to not making the game this year. And Bradley Beal would go from not making the game last year to starting this year. Yeah, I mean, it just shows you how much how volatile the the game is, and how many actual good players there are in the NBA right now. Um, who did you say your honorable mentions were? Well, the honorable mentions are obviously Trey Young, Colin Sexton, and then I'll say four for the East because I want to add Jeremy Grant and Malcolm Brogdon. I do think Brogdon is having a great season, but I just don't think it's great enough. One, for the Pacers to have two All-Stars, and that it's not better than any of the honorable mentions ahead of him or the people who made the actual roster. And then there's the duo. This is our fifth and sixth honorable mention for the East, but (laughs) 
the duo of Tobias Harris and Chris Middleton. I'm, ca- I'm calling them a duo because their stats are identical. They're both average. One's 20.7 points, one's 20.6. They're both shooting 51.5 from the field and 45.5 from three. Bro, don't so, be surprised if Chris Middleton makes the All-Star game. That's all I'm makes, saying. It's not fair to the other one because they're literally playing the same this season. Middleton impacts the game more overall because of his his defensive skills and his playmaking ability as he's averaging 5.9 assists to Harris's 2.7. But I, I don't think Chris Middleton should be making it over Zach Levine based on the fact that Levine's nearly 50-40-90 this season, while the Bulls are not a dreadful record, and the Bucks are not dominating how they always do either. The Bucks are 13-8, and while the Bulls are 8-12. and That's like a, it's a five-game difference, and I don't think that warrants enough for Middleton to make it over Zach Levine. No, I agree. I would much rather have Zach Levine in an all-star game than Chris Middleton. I think, like, just for the fun of an all-star game. Like, we know what Chris Middleton's going to do. He's going to shoot. He's going to shoot spot-up jumpers. And, uh, like, cool. That's great. But I'd rather he's see... Only last pick, too. Yeah, like, I'd rather see yeah. Zach Levine bang it. Even if he's not on somebody, just do oh some my. crazy shit. And so, yeah, those are basically our all-star teams. Let us... Let us know what your you guys' all-star teams are uh you can tweet us at hoopball nets on twitter let us know what your west starters are what your east starters are and uh yeah who you guys got coming off the bench um let's pivot over to some nets news the nets have signed iman shumpert that still leaves them with one open roster spot but we signed iman shumpert uh he will be available on friday to play for the Nets versus the Toronto Raptors. Fred Van Vliet's coming off a insane game. And, uh, yeah, what do you think of the Iman Chumper signing, bro? I mean, it's more championship experience than anything. Like, they don't have to trade to get him. They could just sign him. He already knows the Nets system, culture, whatever. He's been with the Nets already. So, I think it was just an easy adjustment and and he's not going to expect a ton. He's not going to expect to play a lot of minutes. He'll be a defensive specialist. I just think the main problem with Shumper is the, the cap on him for both sides of the ball. Like he's a defensive specialist that is still very inept to getting fried by the right person. (laughs) So, Yes, defense is important, but if you're going to get an above-average defender rather than an elite defender, he needs to have some offensive capability, which Shumpert has zero. He's never averaged 10 in his career. He doesn't shoot the ball well. His offensive skills are almost nothing. Um, He's similar, in my opinion, right now to what Iguodala is for the Heat. He's kind of washed up, not really going to be much on offense. A couple spot-up threes here and there. Um, and then his defense is, is not at his peak anymore. But I think they did it because he's been in the spotlight before. So when it comes down to it, he'll probably see the, the minutes over Bruce Brown when they're in the finals. I mean, I think it, the, the mindset or the thinking behind the signing was, like you said, his offense is damn near abysmal. But when you have KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, 
I mean, you're going to outscore teams most of the time anyway. So you don't really need to focus on someone who, who can who can put up numbers on the offensive end. On the defensive end, uh, he brings a lot of energy. He definitely is someone that prides himself on the defensive end, which you don't find a lot of guys. Most guys would rather shoot a three from 40 deep and be super hype. Iman Chopper gets hype off of getting a clamp steal or getting a chase down a lot of people get high off chase down blocks but just stopping his man from scoring is what you match up or prize himself on which uh it will be a crucial crucial point for the nets to key in on um he also played with harden and mike d'antoni in houston and he won a ring with Kyrie and cleveland so he knew those guys he's comfortable with those guys and uh yeah it kind of felt like it was only a matter of time before match up made his way back to brooklyn uh, I think overall it's a good signing. We will see what he has to contribute, what he has left in the tank. Uh, as long as he can guard somebody, then I'm happy. You don't got to do anything else. But if as long as you can stop your man from scoring 10 plus on a nightly basis, I'm happy. Um, with their open roster spot, I would say I kind of want somebody like Ron. I've drilled the the drum on. Dwayne Deadmon and Ersan Ilyasova doesn't like that's happening. So I want Rondé Hollis Jefferson to come back to Brooklyn, bring back one of those guys from the OG roster. Uh, yeah, I kind of want Rondé Hollis Jefferson. And uh, there was someone else that I was going to say, but like, oh, if Andre Drummond does happen to get bought out, which apparently there's rumors of, which I don't really understand. Um, if Andre Drummond does happen to get bought out, obviously he would be my number one pick for the Nets to, to sign and fill that open roster spot with. What about you, Hunter? Well, I think uh, Billy Reinhardt was right on with Trevor Ariza. A large, small forward, can can play some power forward, knock down threes, gritty defender. Uh, I don't think JaVale McGee does anything, being that they have Norvell Pell, and he's a slightly better Pell in all reality. Uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson just sucks all around. So, <laughs> not the player that I think anyone would want. Um, I think the best players they can get for them are Patty Mills, like he said. I'm not even counting Drummond, but if he gets bought out and will take a Vetman, sure, go for it. Um, I don't Trevor, even, I don't even think he a, has to take a Vetman because they have the the disabled player exception. Okay, then he takes whatever that is. But if if he gets bought out, sure go for it but i do believe that the best options are patty mills trevor reza ursan Ilyasova, and uh not ronde hollis jefferson <laughs> clearly someone has some some hate towards ronde hollis jefferson i just think the nets need a lot like ronde hollis jefferson's another guy that prides himself on defense and is an energy guy and a guy that's willing to make those hustle plays so that your stars don't have to and uh yeah i think if you surround kd Kyrie, and harden with those kind of guys guys that are willing to be dogs and and kind of do anything on the court for their team then you should find success um I think the perfect player for them is actually P.J. Tucker, but being that they already made a trade with the Rockets and didn't get Tucker in that deal, it's going to be hard to make another one. Yeah, I I would say P.J. Tucker is, like, damn near off the table. P.J. Tucker is, like, the perfect player they need, though. Yeah, he definitely fits the the mold of of what the Nets are missing right now. Based Based on defense, he can play center and take pressure off of DeAndre Jordan if he has to. 
and, and I, I think he'd be great for them, but I don't see that that could happen. Yeah, P.J. Tucker's like the ideal center in like a small ball death lineup. He's like what Draymond Green used to be, regarded as. like Yes. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we want the Nets to go at that roster spot. Like we said, Iman Shumpert, uh should be a dog on defense. We'll see how that signing works out. Uh, before we get to the Nets versus Wizards and Nets versus Clippers game, we have to give a huge, huge, huge shout-out to our guys over at Manscaped. Uh, as you guys know, Manscaped, they've been promoting us and the Hoopball Nets. I mean, we are the Hoopball Nets podcast, duh. Us and basically every other podcast on Hoopball for a while now. So we got to give some love back. Valentine's Day is upon us, fellas. Make sure you're ready for whatever the night may take you. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so you can be ready for anything on that special day. Two million men are already using Manscaped products to groom. Make sure you're one of them. Uh, Your girl can't think of what to get you this year. Tell her the gift that's for you and her. The best way to get started is with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0, full of the best products to keep you looking, smelling, and feeling nice. The Perfect Package 3.0 is led by their revolutionary third-generation lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which has advanced skin-safe technology and features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's also waterproof, which prevents a mess on the bathroom floor and in the sink, especially when it's time for Cupid to shoot his arrow. And let's be real, we've smelled the worst down there before. That's why I am thankful for their Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep our boys from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products smell good. The Perfect Package 3.0 will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers that keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade over those used pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Easy! They're the comfiest boxes I've ever had. Easily, literally easily. And complete your grooming game with the new refined cologne signature sent by Manscaped. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20. That's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. No spaces at Manscaped.com. Boom. So yeah, uh, the Nets versus the Wizards, the Nets versus the Clippers, probably their worst loss of the season and their best win of the season in back-to-back games. Um, we can start, obviously, with that melt. I don't even think you can call it a meltdown. Versus the Wizards, uh, the Nets are up by a pretty good like a, a margin that you wouldn't think you'd be able to lose. And with about 20 to 30 seconds left, uh, Bradley Beal comes down. Drills a damn near half court shot. Joe Harris. Yeah, not gonna lie, not gonna lie. That's one of those shots where like they shoot it and you know it's gonna go in, but like you already won, so who cares? Like all you gotta do is give it a KD and make the free throws. No, let's just throw a turnover into the hands of Garrison Matthews, who then gives it a Westbrook, who magically can shoot threes out of nowhere and hits a three to give himself forty one points. And then, uh, yeah, then the Wizards were up one. The the Nets missed a golden opportunity as TLC cut to the basket on an inbound. He misses a nearly wide open layup. 
and I've heard a lot of people say like with some free throws. I've heard a lot of people say, "Why is TLC the one taking that shot?" When you have uh, obviously Harden didn't play in this one, so when you have Kyrie and KD, two of the best closers in the yeah, NBA, stop that shot. You can't exactly like that's that's you just can't. If you have every player on that court in a Nets uniform, should be able to make that layup right there. They just should. And so why pass it to a contested Kyrie or KD when the defense knows that's coming when you have TLC, a very competent NBA player that should be able to make a very low pressure, not obviously the the stakes were high. Why was TLC in the game? I mean, that doesn't even matter. Why did he miss the layup? Like, but why was he in the game at the end of the game when you have Kyrie, Bruce Brown, Joe Harris, KD, and Jeff Green? Why was he in the game? I think the coach, the Nets coaching staff definitely has a very different perception of Bruce Brown than basically all of Nets Nation does. So that's why he was probably in the game. But bottom line... The Nets defense is horrific. Giving up 150 points in regulation just can't happen. Obviously, they had 149, but 150 points basically in regulation to give the Wizards their fourth win of the season. That just can't happen. Look, look, man. I back when Mo Wagner played at Michigan, back when I was dorming in college, Najee remembers. I picked that team to go to the finals versus Nova. I had Mo Wagner on on my back all the way, and I love that man. I've never seen him play as well as he did versus the Nets since he was at Michigan. Yeah, I mean, that's a testament to how they bad the Nets defense so is. so great. He had 17-5-2 on 7-of-8 shooting in 21 minutes. And if that doesn't tell you why the Nets need Yvonne Schumper and another defensive-minded big, I don't know what does. Um... Listen, man, it's it's a it's definitely their worst loss of the season. Um, I, there was a stat that said the Nets, since trading for Harden, have the highest offensive rating in NBA history and the lowest defensive rating in NBA history. And, and so it's just it, it's it's what you thought you would get. And usually when you put together these super teams, you everyone says, "Oh, who's they have no defense? They have no defense." But they find a way to put it together. Uh, the Nets aren't finding a way to put it together. I mean, they they did beat the Clippers and held them to 120 points, which is still a lot. But, I mean, a win is a win over one of the be- a top three teams in the NBA. But to stay on this Wizards game, uh, KD had a ga- uh, team high, 37, 11 of 19, 13 of 13 from the free throw line. Man is just unstoppable. 37, 6, and 7 with two steals and a block. Come on now. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, he was a plus 14. He had eight points, eight rebounds, two assists, one block. Joe Harris had 30. <laughs> Joe Harris without Joe Harris basically put on his best hardened impersonation, had 30 points on eight of 13 shooting from the three-point line, and then Kyrie had 26, 8, and 4. Off the bench, Jeff Green contributed. He played 30 minutes off the bench, had 23 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, shot 4 of 5 from the 3-point line, 7 of 10 from the field. He was very good. TLC, he was 3 for 6. He was 3 for 5 before that layup, but he was 3 for 6. Had 8 points. I mean, he didn't have a horrible game. He was a plus 4. The only person to come off their bench that had a positive plus minus. And then, of course... Yeah, it, it's, it's honestly like... 
it, it, it was the defense because the Nets had over 33 points in every quarter. But they gave up 48 points in the fourth in the quarter. Fourth. <laughs> and it's a freak thing that, that that turnover happens. So you can't really be mad. It's just it's just the defense has to improve. That's really it. And uh, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal combined for 78 points. <laughs> like that. Westbrook chooses when he wants to be good. I, I, I don't know what his deal is. I mean, every game against KD is going to be a game that he wants to flex. Forever. Forever. They forever. Could, they could play a pickup game when they're 79 years old and Westbrook's still going to try and bust out his best moves on <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, Westbrook had motivation coming into this one. So did Bradley Beal. He was very, very obviously frustrated uh, dropping 30, 40, 50-point games and still having three wins before this game. So, I mean, uh, the Wizards were highly motivated to come in here and kick the Nets' ass, and uh, they did just that um, in a very well, embarrassing fashion. It's a good thing, though, that the Nets are 6-0 and versus the best teams in the league. And and they, well, they were 5-0 and before the Clippers made, made it 6-0 and once, uh, once they beat them. And... Uh, this one was a closed game. The Clippers started out hot, had an eight-point lead at the end of the first. The Nets trimmed that to one by the half. Then going into the fourth, the Clippers were up two, and the Nets closed the game strong, won the fourth quarter 36-30. Now, this game, all three were playing, which they needed it, and Harden did exactly what you would think, did the playmaking. Had 14 of the Nets' 25 assists. No one else had more than three hold on before we get to that before we talk about the goodness that was the clippers game let me just go back to that wizards game one last time so the nets outshot the wizards from the field they shot 52.8 percent from three as a team the wizards shot 30.8 percent so they outshot them from the field they outshot them from the three-point line they outshot them from the free throw line they had more rebounds than them they had more assists than them the Nets had 10 more turnovers because they had 17 turnovers and the Wizards had seven. But off of those seven turnovers, the Nets had 25 points off of those turnovers and the Wizards had eight. And they still found a way to lose. <laughs> like, that's... Yeah, now, honestly, that's more of a fluke loss than anything. Like, it is. That's what I'm saying. It's it's their worst loss of the season by far. I just wanted to point out that happened, but I just wanted to point out how wild that was. Also, the Wizards had 72 points in the paint compared to the Nets 34. So there's obvious a pro- obviously a problem with interior defense, which is where the the Nets are going to struggle with a lot of top tier teams like the Lakers and Anthony Davis, uh, and the Seventy Sixers and Joel Embiid, the Heat and Bam Adebayo. That they're going to have to shore up that interior defense if they want to stand a chance against the best teams. But they did beat one of the best teams in the Los and, uh, Angeles Clippers. In that game, Steve Nash made what is one of his first great decisions in benching DeAndre Jordan for Jeff Green, being that the Clippers center is Ibaka, who is mainly on the court to shoot mid-range jumpers and threes. Ibaka is not the best post-game player. He has a decent post-game, but Jeff Green's not not a small body. So putting Jeff Green at the five to guard Ibaka is probably the 
best decision he could have made. Um, that kept the the starting lineup. He kept the starting lineup in the game for most of the game, being that Kyrie played 37 minutes, KD played 38, and Harden played 43 minutes. Yeah. And Harden led the team in rebounds and assists while taking the second most shots as well. So he was doing it all. 23, 11, and 14. And, but it's not like the two other guys. Kyrie took 23 shots. KD only took 13. And they made 11 of them. KD had an extremely efficient 28 and 9. He had zero assists, zero steals. But he had, had one flaw in his game, and it's that he had five turnovers. Yeah. Other than that, great game from him. And Kyrie had 39 with five rebounds, two assists, and 15 of 23 from the field, six of eight from three. If this proves anything, Oddly enough, Kyrie, KD had five turnovers in the Wizards game as well. So that's back-to-back five turnover games Kyrie for KD. It's phenomenal off the ball. I would, I would say that this proves that he's better off than on the ball. He's not much of a true point guard. He he has vision. He can pass, and he has amazing handles. But Harden having the ball in his hands is probably what's going to lead them to victory. Uh, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think Harden has more of a history of being that sole playmaker for a team, whereas Kyrie really doesn't. Um, and I think he's just a better overall playmaker and facilitator, period. So, yeah, I, I think Harden should more so be on the ball and they should keep doing what they're doing. Um, the Clippers, Nick Batum had a good uh, of a surge of the game, 21 points, 7 of 10 from the field. He's been really good for the Clippers this year. Um, Kawhi is Kawhi. Uh, he only shot 12 of 24 from the field, which is still 50%, but I mean, uh, KD did his best. Um, Sergi Baca, uh, we actually limited a big, he only had nine points, three of 11 from the field. He did have 10 rebounds, but still three of 11 from the field. We'll take that. And then Reggie Jackson and Paul George, Paul George is going to do his thing. Uh, he was 11 for 24, 26 points. And, uh, yeah, this was it came down to the wire. The Nets made a very good decision. They were not going to get spurned like they did last game. They ended up fouling so that the uh, Clippers had to take free throws and couldn't hit a three to tie the game or take the lead. Paul George at the end of the game though did had a wide open did have a wide open three that would have tied the game and uh, he shanked it because he's Paul George. So I mean, I don't know why anyone's surprised, but you know, that's what Paul George does in clutch situations. Um and honestly, Looking at the Clippers, they, down the stretch, are going to feel the loss of Montrezl Harrell. Ivica Zubak, he's okay. But games like that limit them so much because Ibaka's not a dominant, strong center like Harrell was. So when they're playing a team like the Nets... They can't exploit them. I mean, I also think that you've seen, um, like, Luke Kennard played four minutes in this game. <laughs> um, well, that's because both teams made it a playoff type of game, although the Clippers didn't have Patrick Beverly. But I mean... So, Jackson had to play 35 minutes, which Jackson would probably play about 15. Kennard wouldn't play at all. And Beverly would probably play upper 20s. Low 30s, maybe? Um, I just feel like 
going into the season, Luke Kennard was one of the big pickups for the Clippers. You know, lost Landry Shamit, got Luke Kennard. And if there, if this is what a playoff atmosphere is going to be like, if you if Luke Kennard can only play four minutes in your playoff games, what the, what did you get him for? I think we've also seen Lou Williams take a big dip in production when Montrez Harrell gone. Um, he went from being their greatest scorer off the bench, one of the best scorers off the bench that the league has. He he's really not having that. He's not even in contention for six man of the year. He's their, he is their seventh man this year. It, yeah, because they're bringing Marky Morris off the bench, but still, like, regardless, Zoo Will should be having more of a role. Like, he took the second most shots off the bench. He took he was two for seven, but that Montrez, that chemistry that he and Montrez Harrell had built up coming off the bench together, basically mirroring each other's minutes, running that pick and roll, that two man game is now gone. Uh, he can obviously I mean, not, he averages under ten points a game, like. That's that's not that's not Lou Will. Lou Will was near twenty for for years, and now he's averaging under ten and seeing just twenty minutes per game. So, I mean, yeah, it's a new coach. Maybe he and Ty Lue hitting on all cylinders. I mean, I guess we'll see. I obviously think Montrez Harrell's departure had a lot to do with it. Um, when you build up a chemistry with someone like that, and you're so used to playing with them. And, like, kind of gelling off each other. That pick and roll was lethal, bro. And now he just doesn't have that anymore. And Evita Zubak just isn't the type of, that that same type of guy. So, we'll see what happens with the Clippers. They're obviously still one of the best teams in the NBA, but they are not better than the Nets. So, we got the win over the Clippers. Uh, and, like I said, it was the, the Nets' best win of the season. Um, looking forward, we play the Raptors on Friday night. The Raptors are coming off a scorching hot Fred Van Vliet game where he broke multiple records and uh, is probably looking to do some more damage against the Nets here today. Um, I mean, well, here on Friday. And, yeah, we're recording this at, like, 12 in the morning, so technically Friday. So tonight, the Nets and the Raptors play. Um, the Nets 14-9. and nine. The Raptors are 9-12. and 12. They are currently the 10 seed in the East, while the Nets are the 3 seed. Um and so, yeah, but it's, it's not like the Easter Conference is close. The Raptors are only half a game back of the eight seed. They're literally like two and a half games back of the five seed. So um, they're obviously looking to get into playoff contention and uh, they should be trying to, to, to do the Nets dirty. But hopefully the big three for the Nets all suit up. None of that load management crap. And uh, we can get the win over the Raptors. There's no one really on their team capable of guarding Kyrie or Harden. Maybe Pascal can stick with KD, but... I doubt that. So, the the good thing for the Nets is it's it's extremely clear in the NBA who the top teams are at this point. It's it's almost a a like a border where the good teams stop. It, it's the Sixers, the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Nets are the top teams in the East. In the West, it's the Lakers, the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Nuggets. No one else has a shot of making it anywhere near a conference finals as of right now. Nope, not at all. So those are the eight best teams in the league. And it's most likely that it's going to end up being Lakers and Clippers or Lakers and Jazz and probably Nets and one of the other three teams. So the Nets know what other seven teams they have to watch out for. And so far, they're 6-0 and against those teams. So it, it's looking good, being that they have the best offense in the league. 
They just need to work on that defense a little bit, enough so that they're not second worst in the East and third worst in the league. If they can get to around even 20th and bring that 117.8 that they give up per game to 112 like the Warriors, Pelicans, Mavs, there's no reason they should not win a series in six games. I agree. I mean, I think the Nets have the most upside of any team in the NBA. And the best version of the Brooklyn Nets, I'm not sure that a team in the NBA can stop them. Now, it's up to the Brooklyn Nets to reach that max potential and reach that best version of them. And uh, a quarter way through the season, we haven't got there yet. But there has been a lot of potential and a lot of promise shown. So hopefully by the end of the year, we're hitting on all cylinders. And uh, we can be that monster team that just takes the playoffs by storms and bring us home uh, a championship to New York and Brooklyn. Um, and so, yeah. That'll do it for this episode of the Hoop Ball Nets podcast. Before we get up out of here, Hunter, your letter is K. Kendrick Nunn. Speaking of Kendrick Nunn, the Miami Heat took the biggest dip in production as a team. They are absolutely awful. Yeah, I mean, people were going from saying don't trade Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Kendrick Nunn to now saying get them off the team immediately. So, I mean... Yeah, went from NBA Finals team to the 13th seed in the East in a couple of years. and I mean, in one year. And all they really lost was Jay Crowder. So, uh, <laughs> break. They, they could compete for a play-in, but tough break for them. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Heat. We hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode of the Hoop Ball Nets podcast. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review. Download the pod on Spotify. Share with all of your friends and family. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed. You can follow me on Twitter at Najee Adams underscore. Uh, follow my podcast, the Run It Up podcast at Run It Up Pod. Listen to the Run It Up podcast on Apple iTunes. You can just look up Najee Adams or you can look up Run It Up podcast. Either way, check me out. Uh, Hunter's on Twitter at Hunter underscore JKR. And uh, the Nets podcast is at Hootball Nets. Now that we've got all our plugs out, uh, we'll talk to you guys later. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.